This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am PWI senior writer Al Castle. Joined, as always, by fellow senior writer Dan Murphy on assignment. Uh, why don't you uh, tell everybody where you are, Dan? Well, right now I'm trying to uh, out Hunter S. Thompson, and uh, <laughs> I'm trying to uh, ingest my way through a Las Vegas uh, trip. Uh, no, I'm in Vegas for uh, Cauliflower Alley Club, the 51st annual reunion. And uh, it's been a fantastic time. It always is. It's, this is my sixth time here and uh, just having a blast. So taking a break from the festivities for a little bit for the podcast. And you've got a guest live there with you uh, as we're recording. Uh, who do you got there? Well, to my right is Greg Oliver from uh, Slam Wrestling and, uh, and noted author and historian. And you've been coming to Cauliflower Alley for well longer than I have. But how long have you been here? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Absolutely. This is... Uh, my 16th event, I think. Um, I started coming here in 2001. I took a little break in there, uh, but I'd also been to one in New Jersey. That was the first one I ever got to. And it's it's an amazing experience. Uh, you do miss people who aren't here anymore. And that was the gist of the first story I posted on Slam. Well, it's great to have uh, uh, Greg uh, with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about okay. uh, the Bay Cauliflower Alley Convention and more. And uh, later on the podcast, we've got... Uh, part of my interview with Ray Mysterio uh, that's featured in the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, magazine. Um, you'll hear some parts of the interview that aren't in the magazine, uh, including a discussion about CM Punk. And we also talk about uh, a lot more. We talk about his, the tragedy when he returned to uh, Lucha Libre last year uh, in Mexico that he was involved in. Uh, talk a bit about uh, some some backstage feuding with the original Sin Cara in WWE his uh, departure from WWE, uh, the the prospect of maybe returning, joining the Hall of Fame, uh, and a lot more. So uh, definitely want to check it out. But if you want to check out the entire interview, uh, definitely pick up the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. It is the June issue uh, featuring AJ Styles on the cover. Uh, he's one of the wrestlers profiled in our annual report cards. And uh, there's a lot more in the issue uh, as well, as I said. The, uh, the press conference interview with Rey Mysterio. We've got a, a feature on TNA and Dixie Carter. Uh, we got a feature on Roderick Strong, uh, New Japan, tons uh, in the magazine, our picks for our favorite WrestleMania matches ever, and lots and lots more. Uh, what you want to do is go to pwi-online.com and subscribe there either to the print edition or the digital edition. Either way, you get a big discount over the co- off the cover price. Uh, we've been at it now for, I think it's 38 years. Um, we are the last man standing in the wrestling magazine game here in the U.S., and it's for a good reason. I mean, we still offer the best analysis, the best photos, the best features by uh, journalists like yours truly, Dan, Mike, the great Stu Sachs, uh, and many, many more. So, well, well, uh, the great Stu Sachs. <laughs> the very Come good Stu Sachs. <laughs> Above average Stu Sachs. Uh, so yes, definitely go to pwi-online.com and, uh, check us out there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at official PWI, find us on Facebook, drop us a line here, PWI podcast at outlook.com and check out the archives, uh, of this podcast on, uh, iTunes 
And uh, of course, you can stream it live anytime at pwi-online.com. All right, guys, I'm going to mostly uh, leave it. You're there in Las Vegas, have a lot more fun than I am. Uh, so tell me about you know the sights and sounds of, of the Cauliflower uh, Alley Club. I know you guys, uh, or at least you, Dan, uh, hosted a panel yesterday, I believe, on women's wrestling, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I co-hosted a panel with Pat LaProd, who is a writer out of Montreal, who did the book Mad Dogs, Midgets, and Screwjobs, a great history of uh, pro wrestling in Montreal, as well as a uh, biography on Mad Dog Vachon. And uh, we did a panel on the evolution of women's wrestling and where it's headed with the future. And we got a panel of uh, four people, a really kind of diverse panel of people with different experience to talk about their thoughts and, and where women's wrestling is kind of in the post WWE Divas revolution, which actually turned out to be kind of a term that they, a couple of them took offense to. Um, Malaya Hosaka, one of them, in, in fact, was reminding people that, you know, there was women's wrestling before the Divas. You know, there were the Judy Martins and Leilani Kais and, it, as much as everybody talks about the resurgence of women's wrestling, which there has been, it's good to look back and think that there were people who were really kind of working their tails off before it kind of degenerated into the Sable era and the Braun Panties era and, and so on. So we had Malaya, uh, cheerleader Melissa, Santana Garrett, and uh, Chelsea Diamond, uh, who is uh, kind of representing the newcomers, um, uh, Florida independent wrestler who has done some tours of stardom. And uh, it was really good. It, it generated a lot of conversation. And like everything with Cauliflower Alley, it's a good opportunity to have these kind of seminars and panel discussions uh, for fans and for wrestlers and for people associated with the business, uh, as well as the opportunities to kind of meet and greet and, uh, you know, honor the, the, the names of the past and the present. What, was there any discussion on the panel of the, uh, the change from the Divas division now to the women's division, the return to the women's title, and actually creating a new lineage, not uh, continuing the lineage of the old women's title? You know, do, do they see it just as kind of lip service, or do they see it as symbolic of something more meaningful? Uh, the opinions were a little divided. I think maybe two of them, maybe one or two saw it as lip service, and the other two thought it was a little bit more significant. But I think everybody was unanimously happy that um, you know, they're, they're kind of retiring the term diva and, and presenting the women on as superstars uh, on even footing with the men, um, which is, you know, it's a long time coming and it's been too long. So, uh, everybody was very happy with that. And, uh, you know, we're very happy about, or, you know, we talked about whether or not women could ever potentially main event or WrestleMania or whether WWE on the network will ever have an all women's promotion and, and what does the future hold? And it generated a lot of kind of conversation. And there's a lot of optimism, I think, in general. Yeah. The, the timing of the uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club coming a couple weeks after WrestleMania, uh, most years, is that a, a topic of discussion formally, informally? Is there, you know, buzz uh, about this year's show? I'm just curious what the conversation is about WrestleMania at the convention each year. Not a lot. I mean, there's some, you know, the thing was with Cauliflower Alley is you have this diverse group of people. Pat Patterson is here, Jerry Briscoe. I uh, spent a lot of time with them visiting last evening. Um, Sergeant Slaughter, Etta Johnson, the Rock's mother, always comes. Today, Jerry Lawler showed up. Uh, so there's a lot of very prominent names, but there's also the Carpenters and the people who are uh, lesser known. I, I was just meeting with um, you know somebody a lot of our listeners may not know, but Greg Oliver here obviously knows very well. No class Bobby Bass, a uh, Canadian wrestler who is kind of a, a journeyman, but he's a fascinating character. And that's just great about cauliflower alley 
is it's not just the headliners, it's everybody. You'll meet people from every part of the business, writers, historians, referees, and, and down the line, and everyone's got stories to tell, and it's, it's great. So WrestleMania is something that's talked about a little, but I think everybody goes back to their stories and, and trading those stories. And, you know, every year the stories get a little bit more um, exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it's a fun time. Yeah. In recent years, it's been opened up more. Uh, so, so you do get more fans going out there. Um, has that changed it at all? I mean, has, has it lost anything now that it's more accessible? Um, or is that original charm still there? A little of both. The, the, it, it originated out of you know, Hollywood, and it was actors, and it was well, actors who were tough guys. It was boxers, and it was pro wrestlers, and they shared that kind of bond. Uh, you know, they had everybody from you know Humphrey Bogart to Sylvester Stallone. Archie Moore was one of the great boxers who was president for a while. All that sort of fell by the wayside, and it became a wrestling organization. Um, and so, even in the you know 15 years I've been coming here, it's changed from a lot of the old guard. I mean, they've passed away. You don't have your Luthezes around anymore. Um, instead, we've got guys like, you know, your Jerry Lawlers that are you know, more current guys who are coming out. And, um, it, it's, and it's definitely opened up to the fans and made it more of a fan fest than a, a reunion. And that's been one of my complaints, certainly, this weekend, is, is there was a lot more gimmick table sales. It feels like you're going out to New Jersey to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, one of the big fan fests and it's just a different vibe um, and it's been changing. And, and the other problem is when you get somebody being highlighted, like today, Trish Stratus is going over in the main event, getting the Iron Mike <laughs> Mazurki award, first woman to get that. And she's quite deserving and is a friend of mine. So that's a nice, you know, see you in her bonnet and going to be great, but she hasn't been out at all. So nobody's seen her. So she's going to be swamped with fans wanting to say hi and talk to her. And that's going to make for a really messed up kind of banquet coming up. And that, that's a little bit of what you get. And even with WWE guys, JBL is supposed to come in today uh, to introduce uh, James Beard, the referee, uh, who's getting an award. Uh, so, again, he'll get swamped. We haven't seen him at all. So those are the kind of things you, you have to put up with. For me, it's not a big deal because I've dealt with most of these people. But for a lot of these fans who paid their good money to come out and hang out with these wrestlers, they want – that experience. Do you find wrestlers are accessible uh, to fans there? I mean, are, are they mostly there to see other wrestlers and guys who they haven't seen in years, colleagues, that kind of thing? Or, or is it a situation where a fan can just walk up to, to one of these legends and strike up a conversation? I would say that it varies a lot. And, and the thing is, like last night, I happened to meet with a group of people, uh, again, like I mentioned, Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, and, and kind of visiting with them, and, and others kind of floated in. Uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, uh, not to be confused with Mr. Wonderful Rock Riddle, uh, <laughs> Paul Orndorff was here, and, and he came by, and, and some others, uh, and they love hanging out. They love to talk, and they love to visit, and, and you know, they, they love to meet with old friends. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, the um, the fans have to really um, be respectful and you don't want to, you know, impede on their time. And it's, a, it's kind of a balancing act. Some of the, the, the guys are a lot more accessible to the fans. Others are a little bit more standoffish. Um, but that's what makes it kind of different from the WrestleCons, you know, not to bang on WrestleCon or anything, but other fan conventions. Uh, there's a little bit more uh, accessibility and that can be a good thing or a bad thing, but it's what it is.
Yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys are having a blast. Uh, definitely want to get out there. What? What? Well, you've got gotcha both. Why don't we talk a little current events? Uh, as I said, we're only a couple weeks removed now from WrestleMania, and the last couple of weeks of Raw have been something of a reset, as uh, WWE television usually is after WrestleMania. Um, you know, lots of things change. We got AJ Styles, who lost at WrestleMania, now positioned as an upward contender, challenging Roman Reigns. Uh, for the title at the next pay-per-view. We've got, despite losing the Hell in a Cell match, Shane McMahon taking over Raw for the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, whether that's the reason or not, I think uh, there have been some good reviews for Raw uh, the last couple of weeks, this past week in particular, with um, a potential babyface turn for Bray Wyatt, uh, the debut of uh, the Bolt Club, and a lot more. Dan, what is your take of uh, post-WrestleMania WWE and, and what's ahead? Well, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I haven't had an opportunity to watch this week's Raw yet because I've been here in Vegas with, with Cauliflower Alley Club. Um, what was really interesting is, you know, we're having events. Things are going on. Uh, there's a big wrestling show here on Monday night featuring people from all over the place. But um, you'd, you'd see online, hey, the Bullet Club debuted. And now it's a buzz that's going through the whole room. Well, the Bullet Club's on Raw. And... While the Bullet Club targeted uh, Roman Reigns' cousins, the Usos, and AJ Styles is going against Roman Reigns, maybe this is a subtle move that AJ Styles is going to join a Bullet Club faction, or you know, I'll. So, um, I, I didn't see this week's show. Uh, experiencing it from the CAC and with social media, it's kind of neat because the results come through and, and everybody weighs in on it, and you have all the opinions that you hear back. Uh, my thought again after WrestleMania, it, it's. It's just silliness, obviously, you know, from this podcast. I'm not a big fan of the whole chain storyline leading into Hell of a Cell. Um, but then to just make the stipulation meaningless and, okay, you lost the match, but what the hell, you, you might as well run things anyway. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's a, a storyline without any foresight. Um, but in the end, it's delivering what the fans want to see. So I guess the end justify the means with it. I don't like the way it was delivered, but at least they're kind of getting off with a fresh start getting AJ out there, bringing Cesaro back, and kind of ending the authority, or at least downplaying the authority yeah, we'll for a little bit that. to get a fresh... I'll believe what I see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Greg, uh, I want to get your thoughts on what they've done with Roman Reigns. I mean, it was this really this two-year build to him finally being coronated uh, as world champion. I know there was a couple of shorter reigns, uh, but this was supposed to be really the arrival at WrestleMania. And we know how that went. I mean, basically boot out of the building at the AT&T Stadium. Uh, the next night on Raw starts talking about, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm the guy. That seems to be the new motto. Uh, and Reigns very much is kind of being positioned as, as a tweener, as they say. Um, any thoughts on this latest strategy? I mean, do you think it has uh, more chance of success than um, what they had been doing, just kind of, you know, the, the square peg in the round hole, forcing them down fans' throats uh, as a babyface? Or are they better off just going all the way with it and making them a heel? I like the, the test of the tweener thing. I mean, it, again, looking around at where I am, with Terry, hanging out with Terry Funk, you know, they used to have to go territory to territory, town to town, and depending on who they faced there, they were either a good guy or a bad guy. It, it takes a tremendous amount of skill, and, and it's going to be interesting to see whether Roman Reigns has the skill to pull that off. Uh, we know AJ Styles will be able to pull it off, but will Roman Reigns be able to do it? I hope so, and it's an interesting test because 
in this day and age, um, they all want to move merch. It, it seems more than actually, uh, you know, being a good guy or a bad guy. They want to sell merchandise. So it's, it's a position that Roman can stay strong in that aspect uh, and yet have a chance to wrestle against different opponents. So maybe it's, you know, Kane again for one last run. Maybe it's AJ Styles. Maybe it's John Cena when he comes back. And, and it'll be able to give him a chance to try some new things. Uh, and he does have the ace in the hole of his, of his cousins that, uh, you know, I think adds a little bit of strength to uh, I prop him up a bit, just like he had with Dean Ambrose and, and uh, Seth Rollins in the Shield. Is it uh, encouraging to see AJ Styles in the position uh, that he's in? Again, when he lost at WrestleMania, Chris Jericho, a lot of people were worried about this being, you know, all but a burial. And the next night, he, he wins this uh, four-man match uh, to be the number one contender. And who knows? Is there a chance that they take the title off Roman Reigns? Go with the hot hand, AJ Styles, who is getting the reaction and even more of the re- more than the reaction that I, I think WWE uh, anticipated as a babyface. Could this be the beginning of something for him? No. <laughs> Good attitude. No, maybe. I mean, who knows? I mean, even looking at WrestleMania, it, it looks like they didn't have much forethought going through. And admittedly, you know, all the injuries played a big role in that. Um, I don't. I see this being positioned as. This is a, a good filler feud until the next build towards not some not necessarily SummerSlam, but um, you know a B level pay per view or two, and then move into the next major program. Um, if if they really had that much faith in AJ is being the man, number one, Vince McMahon almost never puts guys in the position of being the man who who really made their their bones in another promotion, a, a rival promotion, TNA. Um, it's always their homegrown or, or repurposed guys that they rebuilt back up. And uh, if they did have those kind of plans, they wouldn't have had them lose to Jericho at WrestleMania. I mean, that, that makes no sense. So I, I don't see it as any more than a filler. But what, what do you think? Well, I think it's a step up on our truth you know, having a, a little heel turn to face Cena like he did. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's yeah, you're right. I, I don't see them having any long-term plans for him, uh, to be quite honest. I think it's short-sighted booking they're they're pushing him and he'll fall down mid-card again uh you know within another pay-per-view or two and that's i mean it should be cyclical you shouldn't necessarily stay in the main event for years and years john cena but randy orton yeah exactly randy orton's a perfect example as soon as he comes back all of a sudden he'll be in the picture again if they use this idea of the tweener um and roman reigns facing the different guys and actually trying to give him some legitimacy to guys moving up the card and getting a chance well, then Randy Orton deserves one more chance against Roman Reigns in that sort of idea where you move up the card, you get the chance, you didn't win, you fall down the card again. Yeah. If they can keep that going, I'm okay with where they're going with AJ Styles with this. Um, yeah, we all love the guy, but, I mean, we're, we're wrestling fans, and, and we're not the guys running this multi-billion dollar company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in that way, it's kind of a mixed blessing that AJ's in this position because... On one hand, yeah, I mean, everybody's jumping for joy. AJ Styles is challenging for the, the world title. He's headlining a WWE uh, pay-per-view. Uh, but as you said, uh, or alluded to, I mean, this this is not the most prestigious pay-per-view in the world. Uh, there's probably a pretty strong likelihood that Roman Reigns is going to go over clean on him and then move on to the next opponent, which, as far as Roman Reigns' booking is concerned, is, is not the worst idea uh, in the world. I mean, you, you talked about... Uh, our truth and and uh, yeah, I mean, I and I think um, John Cena had his best run when he was slaying opponents month after month and went on that 
a nearly year-long title reign uh, several years ago. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the formula that's been uh, proven and, and tested over time, whether it was Hulk Hogan or Bruno San Martino or whoever, you know, you line up the, the opponents. And especially when you're trying to get a new babyface champion up and running out of the gate, uh, he's got to go through his challengers. And again, in that way, there, there could be some mixed feelings about AJ Styles being the first one just fed to him. Uh, because I think a lot of people were were uh, uh, had high hopes for AJ Styles' main event run uh, when, when he finally got there to be something really meaningful. And, you know, this doesn't seem to be it if, if it's kind of an off-month pay-per-view. Uh, oh, what looks like it would be a one-off against Roman Reigns. Uh, but who knows? I mean, the one thing that AJ's got going for himself is that he is so great that whether... Uh, the plans, regardless of what the plans are right now, if anybody can change minds, win over uh, decision makers, bookers, uh, I'd think it's AJ Styles. Yeah, uh, it's possible. I don't know. Uh, he's still not the, the, well, again, and this has been a big debate, and, and maybe I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I'll keep it a brief one. Um, but one of the debates that's been happening a lot here at Cauliflower Alley, and I've had it with a few people, um, is, is, where wrestling's going. And uh, you've got a lot of the old bets. Uh, Larry Hennig gave a seminar today with Jim Brunzel and Greg Gagne, which was amazing. Uh, mean Gene Okerlund's here. I mean, there's, you, you can go on and on about the people who are here and the old timers. Um, and, and they look at new wrestling. They look at the, the, the style and, and, you know, they're not selling. It's, it's not what it used to be. And there's a real debate between the old school, for lack of a better term, and, and what wrestling is becoming. Um, AJ Styles is not the WWE's traditional guy. He's he's too small. His style is is not what they do. He's never been the the guy. And in the past, in the old school part of me would say, well, he's he's just not the guy. He, he doesn't have the look. He doesn't have the uh, the promo ability. He doesn't have the things that WWE wants. But that being said, the success of guys like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, as short-lived as as those were both were shows that maybe they're changing and maybe he could be the guy. It's just that we haven't got to the point where a guy like that, an indie darling who is uh, the size, height, and weight of an average man, although in impeccable shape, uh, but not a Superman like, like John Cena or Roman Reigns, um, being the standard bearer for the company. You know, some of these guys had brief title runs, uh, but they've never been the guy that the company's gotten fully behind, like these you know, larger-than-life characters. And maybe we're at the stage now where wrestling has changed and WWE has changed enough to allow that. That's the debate we've been having, or maybe not. Um, and it really kind of depends on your thought. My thought is, uh, I don't think he, I don't think WWE is ready for AJ Styles, and I don't think AJ Styles is ready for that spot. Yep, well said. All right, guys, uh, won't take uh, any more of your time. I'm sure you got some uh, gambling. Let me do one thing, Al, because I've got the guy here, and I would, I'd rattle it off at the top of my head, but I, I can't remember them all. Uh, in addition to Slam Wrestling, Greg Oliver has written several books on pro wrestling. Several I've read. Others I'll get to one day. Um, but <laughs> real quick, Greg, what what uh, what are some of the books that you've put out there, man? Um, I did four books in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame series. Uh, we did Canadians, tag teams, uh, heels, and heroes and icons. And one of the greatest compliments uh, I got was once talking to Dusty Rhodes when he was uh, around, and he was saying they had those books down in the, uh, the library at NXT. So for the, oh, for wow, the that's youngsters. Yeah, it, it really is 
uh, a testament because we forget what guys like Bill Cox like, or, or you know what? The greatest babyface of all time was not Hulk Hogan, was not Bruno, was not John Cena. It was Jim Londis. And, and if we forget the past, we're never going to really be able to succeed. Um, I did a book on Benoit with three other guys. That was a quickie book. Still the bestseller of all the ones I've had. Um, but it sold like lightning and then stopped, like a lot of true crime books. Uh, and then we did a book on slam wrestling, which is sort of a best of book. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to push a brand uh, in this day and age. And, yeah. But, you know, slam wrestling's been around for uh, 20 years now almost. And uh, our archives are, you know, ha- are there, which you can't say for a lot of the Internet. So for that matter, uh, Google loves us, and I know Pro Wrestling Illustrated loves us. Dan says as much. He uses <laughs> us to research, and uh, uh, we we would feel like a valuable part of the uh, the wrestling world. Yeah, absolutely. I have uh, wasted many an hour at work uh, just reading through Slam. Uh, so wasted. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Enhanced. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well said, Greg. While you're here, you touched on some of the legends of the past, names like Luthez and and Jim Londis. Uh, Wanted to get your take on that, um, what do they call it, the, the Legacy uh, Hall of Fame, whatever it was, but basically WWE's attempt to acknowledge some of these people uh, in the Hall of Fame. Dan, when we uh, spoke a few weeks ago in our Hall of Fame episode, we talked about issues with the credibility of the Hall of Fame, and, and one of them being that there were so many of these names from the past that were not acknowledged. And, uh, you know, this seemed to be an attempt to, in one fell swoop, get them all, or a lot of them at least, in the Hall of Fame and maybe boost the credibility of it. Did, did you, uh, what did you think of that, Greg? I mean, uh, did you think that was worth doing? Would you like to see uh, more than what amounted to, I guess, a two-minute segment in a four-hour Hall of Fame? Well, yeah, absolutely. They all deserve a hell of a lot more credibility and, and information taught to the younger viewers than they got. Um, but, you know, it's a small step. Um, and I think it's a small step that they're acknowledging that they're behind uh, on all that, uh, whereas, you know, the real pro wrestling hall of fame, which is in Wichita Falls, Texas, you know, all those people are in there. Well, sorry, Art Thomas is not in there. He's one of the ones they acknowledged for some reason, which would not be my first choice of, uh, African-American wrestler to acknowledge, but they did. Uh, and he was certainly a great talent. Uh, he's certainly the kind of talent that Vince McMahon has always loved, you know, great big, big gassed guy that was huge and looked fabulous. Uh, but there's some great Art Thomas stories. He wasn't necessarily the brightest guy in the world either. Uh, so it's a start. Uh, so let's let's be happy with that and hope they can grow with it. Um, it'd be nice if they use their network to actually do some of these things, even if the the you know it's on at 3 a.m. or something like that. Be able to teach about some of these wrestlers should be their job. If if you know they're the ones that are the custodians of history right now. So let's hope they don't forget about the past. Yeah. Well, well said. Thank you guys so much for uh, being on this week. Enjoy the rest of the convention. Uh, Right now, let's listen to uh, my interview with Ray Mysterio. As I said, just a quick note, if you want to read the entire interview, there's a lot more that's not included here. Um, Check out pwi-online.com. Get the latest issue. Uh, What's what's not in this interview is uh, Ray talking about Lucha Underground, uh, talking about WWE botching his world title run, um, and uh, a lot more. So this is a little less than half of the interview. Uh, lots to listen to here, but uh, again, if you want to get uh, the whole thing, get a real flavor for uh, what our exchange was, uh, definitely check out the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Right now, let's hear from the one and only Ray Mysterio. 
I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, uh, your time back in Mexico and the tragedy that came out of there after leaving WWE. You you went back to uh, your roots there, and within the first couple of days, you know, you're involved in that awful tragedy with with Paraguay Jr. Um, did did that make you second guess wrestling anymore? And uh, you know, was it difficult to keep uh, going on knowing that this just happened? That was that was a very hard phase in my life, not even in my career, just in my life. Uh, um, you know, I've, I've had close friends pass away, uh, but but this was it was like really really uh, deep. You know, uh, it, it did it did uh, in a way keep me sec- second guessing if, if I should. If I wanted to do it, not if I should, but if I wanted to keep going, right. you know, um, it, it was just so hard to overcome. And, and still to the day, you know, uh, it's never forgotten. It's in, it's in the back of my mind. And, and I cherish that moment because it was his last moment being in the ring with me, you know. So well, was it something bad that happened or, or just it was just God wanted it that way. You know, he wanted, he pretty much waited for me to come down or, or leave to, to wrestle in Mexico. And, and that was his, that was his first time being in the ring with me again. So yeah. it was, it was really hard. Yeah. How much uh, harder did it make it that I, I think wrestling fans uh, who watched that match know that it was just a fluke that, you know, this certainly wasn't your fault that this was, you know, it was again just a fluke, one of these things. But uh, yeah. this caught a lot of mainstream uh, media, and for uh, the the unlearned, the people who don't know any better, um, a lot of people, uh, are, their interpretation was that you were responsible, that you did this. Um, was that how difficult? Was, and there were even you know bogus stories out there about you being charged and all this. Uh, yeah, that, I think that had to hurt a lot. Yeah, it did. It did. It did hurt a lot, and. Uh... The more that I saw, the more that I read, uh, the deeper it would sink into my mind and and, uh, and second doubt me, second doubt myself even more. Um, but uh, and I guess this was all because at the time I I hadn't uh, um, done my official report uh, in Tijuana uh, about the incident, about what had happened. So that kind of still weighed. Um, on my back and even though I knew I wasn't responsible uh, I didn't know they knew that I wasn't responsible meaning um, where you where, is it, uh, it's not the forensics but it's it's, it's uh, uh, I can't come up with the name right now but, but I had they, they called each and every one that was in that match that night and they had to testify yeah. um, and of course when I went down there uh, I still had that that concern on what they thought the case might be, um, and after I pretty much spilled everything out the way it happened, uh, I don't think nobody else knows it as good as I do uh, on how the how everything was laid out. Um, you know, they they were they were in agreement that that it was just a, a freak accident. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. You talked about uh, 
not sort of being forced into adjusting your style because your knees and some of the injuries uh, you've had. Did that incident make you think about adjusting your style at all? I mean, if, if some people could draw the conclusion of here's a guy who went pretty hard for, for a long time and it may have cost him his life and, and that style of wrestling. Did you draw any connections there? Or again, as you mentioned, was it just a, a freak accident and there's no bigger lesson to be learned here? I think it was just a freak accident, but uh, when I go back and I, I reminisce, I, I, uh, he was very close with Conan, and uh, speaking with Conan, uh, he would tell me because that that happened on a Friday. On a Wednesday night, we did our uh, I did my first TV show with AAA in Guadalajara, and that day after the match. Um, for something, he came in and charged the ring and, and I was supposed to move and kind of just sidestep him over the top rope and he took a crazy uh, um, over the top rope bump and, and I was like wow and I told Conan I said man did you see Paraguay so he came in there like a flash and, and I just sidestepped went over the top and, and man he, he, he looks incredible right now um, so I would I would say if, if I would have had the opportunity to see him perform more and more, uh, I would have probably told him to slow down a little yeah. bit so we can keep going longer. Um, but in, in my case, you know, I don't I don't think there was there was nothing there uh, to or, or or anything that I've done that I can slow down my pace even more. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, you said you want to keep on going longer. How much longer do you think? Uh, you can go. I mean, if, if uh, Wikipedia is right, you're 41 now, and uh, some correct. people and some people would say in an old 41, in that you've been at this for so so long. You, you began when you were what, 15, 16? Uh, actually, I had my first match at 14. 14. Uh, so yeah. again, that's <clears throat> that that's a lot of miles. Um, yeah. Do Do you feel rejuvenated now in in Lucha Underground? I mean, do you feel you could do this for another 10 years? I, I wouldn't say that much, um, but I do. I do feel like uh, um, I don't even say I can say a second win, but maybe a third win, <laughs> because I've been in the business so long. But uh, um, you know, I definitely feel um, like like there's something special in lucha, and and uh, if there's anything I can do to help out, uh, take that to the next step. You know, I would I would love to, and I, I think I can keep going for at least another. Uh, five, six years, you know, if that's the case. Uh, uh, with the schedule that I have right now and me being able to dictate my own pace and not going every weekend, not leaving home, um, a, lot, a lot of that is morally too, you know, uh, being away from your family for so long. Uh, um, in my case, you know, that, that broke me down a lot, a lot, not being able to be around my kids and my wife. And, and uh, um, I'm, I'm just a family man. You know, I, I, I love being around my family. Yeah. So uh, being able to do that now and being able to wrestle and being able to, uh, to um, share both things, it, it just, it, it gives me that, that definitely that second wing to, to, to keep going, yeah. you know, and, and uh, um, the, comp the competition is, is incredible there at Underground, so... Yeah. Uh, I, I love I love to watch him go as well. You know that's 
that's actually, that's actually very exciting for me. Do you, do you have aspirations in wrestling um, outside of Lucha Underground, whether it's a tour of Japan or, um, you know, Ring of Honor or, or what have you? Um, ne- never really focused on, on doing, uh, or being, being in another company. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I left WWE, I was, I was kind of, uh, set in place and, and just wanted to be at home and, and, uh, wrestle. I, I did want to go back to AAA and do a couple shows for AAA. Uh, that was, that was always on, on the back of my mind. But uh, as far as being somewhere else, as of right now, I don't have it. Uh, but that that can all change. Um, I do have other projects and, and aspirations that I, I want to accomplish. Um, you know, before I, I kind of hang up the, the mask, um, and that's that's possibly uh, uh, either doing some animation or or uh, some voiceovers, uh, maybe even a little bit of of uh, acting. Uh, biography of uh, in a movie, you know, something is something cool and unique. Yeah, when when you see uh, all this talk of WWE now looking for their next Latino star, and um, you know, right now they got the U.S. title on Kalisto. Definitely a lot of parallels there between him and you. And there's a thought that they, you know, this might be the guy who they try to market as the next big Latin star. Uh, they they tried pretty unsuccessfully with, with Sin Cara, who was a huge star in Mexico, but didn't really translate well in, uh, in WWE, Alberto Del Rio. There, there have been so many over the years. <coughs> Why do you think WWE has struggled to create um, a, a true Latin star? And uh, is, it, is it even necessary? I mean, is it something that you need? Um, I, think, I think they definitely need a uh, Latin superstar. Uh, Alisto is, is an incredible athlete. Uh, um, you know, I, I, and I think he, he's definitely escalating uh, every time he steps into the ring. Uh, Del Rios is, is their Latin superstar right now. Um, but in, in my case, uh, they weren't looking for a Latin superstar when, when, uh, when I came to WWE, you know, Eddie was already there. Right. Uh, you know, I just, I just happened to get the opportunity and, uh, they gave me the opportunity to, to perform and I, uh, I accomplished, you know, I, I did what I had to do. Um, so I think I, after I, I left, I left that, that hole in the wall that, that now they have to patch up. But in all reality, I mean, um, there's not going to be another Rey Mysterio out there, just like there's not going to be another Eddie or a Shawn Michaels or an Undertaker. You can never duplicate, you know, uh, what somebody has already done. Uh, just try to try to just keep moving and and uh, let them go out there and, and enjoy and perform at, at their highest. Because I know the matches that the Rio has been having with uh, Talisa have been incredible. Yeah. And uh, uh, for some reason, there's a bonding between all three of us. I was already there when Del Rio came in, and uh, kind of um, I left. Del Rio stayed. Now Kalisto's in, and, and they're they're going at it. So there's definitely a, a good vibe, good chemistry there. And I think without without uh, them waiting for it for so long, 
um, just overnight they're gonna they're gonna have a, a Latin star within Calisto and, and uh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen sooner than later. Did you see um, a missed opportunity when Sincaro was there? And uh, I know you guys tagged a little, and there was a thought that this could be a real sensational tag team, two, two of Mexico's biggest legends, mass legends, and uh, an eventual match or a feud. Um, you know, nothing much came out of it. I don't know if the timing was wrong, uh, but was that something you were excited to, somebody who you were excited to work with? That, most definitely. Uh, I definitely wanted to meet him. Um, I wanted to bump heads with him because... There was so much animosity uh, that was built up between both of us. Uh, that he said, that I said, um, and whatnot. You know, just a bunch of rumors that had been had had to had to be squashed and uh, get ready to move on with this new career for for him and for me as well. Uh, but when when you don't know the history of 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 uh, Sin Cara in Mexico. And you bring them over to the stage, and you put them in a tag match with me. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to to give the fans what they really want. So uh, I think that's why uh, Sin Card never really uh, succeeded here in the in the WWE. You know, um, yeah. they they really didn't have much for him to do. Uh, and and I think on. On second note, him as well. He, he didn't want to. Yeah, he didn't want to pick up on his on his English as well, and that that's a, that's a big barrier right there. Yeah, I, I mean that's an interesting point. And um, how, how different do you think your career would have been if you didn't speak English? Oh man, it it, it would have been really difficult. Uh, I wouldn't been I wouldn't been able to to communicate with my fans. Yeah. And that's that's uh, that's part of your that's that's part of your your image. You know, you have to be able to communicate with the fans. Uh, um, in my case, I had the kids. The kids, you know, uh, wanted to wear the mask, wanted uh, to sit in the front row because Ray was going to pass by and and, and uh, bump foreheads with them and and say a couple words. You know, so so that definitely. Uh, help me succeed and, and become who I am as well. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you a, a little bit about uh, WCW. Um, you talked to, to a lot of wrestlers who were there uh, in WCW toward those late years, and, and they don't speak well about it. A lot of people you know, don't have good memories of there. You're a guy who I thought maybe does have some good memories uh, about WCW because um, you did get – your, your first major national exposure in, in the United States there. Um, do you look back on those years fondly? Yes, most definitely. Uh, and I think the moment that really stands out the most is, is because of being in WWE for so long and seeing how guys would uh, uh, just try to get in to get a, a, a tryout or a dark match or have them uh, be seen before the event went live, you know, um, for Fit or Regal to to uh, um, step in the ring with them, you know, so so they can see if, if they were okay to to get approved to either go to the camp or or, or get signed. Uh, my first match with WCW was a pay per view, 
like, what the heck? That was my tryout match. Wow. You know, not know, not knowing what I could deliver. They just threw me on there, uh, you know, at a Great American Bash with Dean Malenko. Um, so I guess I guess that was that confidence, you know, from their end. And I had to make sure I delivered. So, so how do you look back on Eric Bischoff? I mean, is that a figure who um, you, you have gratitude for? I imagine there were times where you butted heads. Not everything that you were in in WCW was terrific. I mean, certainly when they took the mask off of you, uh, you know, right. that, that maybe wasn't the, the best idea. Uh, but do you look do, – what, what, uh, what do you think of Eric Bischoff? What's your relationship with him now? Um, there was no, no beef. No beef whatsoever. I've, I've always been, uh, I've always hated politics. Uh, never, never done the negotiations myself. Uh, I love to go in, uh, wrestle, perform, uh, have the fans enjoy that uh, 10, 15, or 20 minutes, whatever time it is that I'm in the ring, and, and say that was the best match of the night, you know, and go home happy. Um, so I, I really didn't, uh, didn't do much of the talking with Eric. Uh, Conan was the one that did most of the talking. Uh, of course, it, when it came down to losing my mask and, and uh, him making the decision and then me wanting to speak to him, uh, and, and he, he, was, he was a bit of an ass when, when he told me, well, you're going to do what you're told, and uh, that's it, you know, pretty much, or you're in breach of contract. And that, at, at that point, it, it, was, it was a little harsh, for him to go uh, out of his way to say that, but uh, you know now that now that I've, I've I'm a bit more mature and, and I've, I've been through so so much in this business that I, I know um, the ups and downs and, and how people are treated. Um, I get his role. I understand his role and how he was. You know, um, uh, but at that time I was just I was just enjoying my my good wrestling days where I could just go out there and have fun and be creative with my moves and, and nobody would tell me you can't do this or you can't do that or uh, sell a little bit more. You know, it was it was almost a bit of, of uh, Lucha Underground style. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a couple more questions. One of um, uh, my favorite feuds that you had in WWE was with CM Punk. And this was, I think, at a, at a pivotal uh, time in CM Punk's career when he was coming up and, and on his way to becoming a major star. And um, you see what's become of him, and now everybody's waiting for him to make his UFC debut. Um, how do you look back on that? And what do you make of him just walking away uh, from the business? I mean, you talked about uh, experiencing your, your own burnout in WWE. Uh, do do you applaud him for taking that stance and just walking away when when he certainly could have had several more years of being a top guy there? Yeah, I I know uh, Punk uh, for for speaking his mind and uh, and great for him. I mean, um, he he was already burnt out when I was there, so um, I really I didn't. It wouldn't have surprised me if he would have left earlier. But uh, you know, it, it's a good thing that 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 he did what he wanted to do. You know, he was just uh, he's tired. You know, and, and I think we all get tired uh, eventually. You know, your your body shuts down, and then uh, before your body shuts down, you want to make sure that your mind doesn't shut down. And uh, you know, he he made sure that that uh, 
whatever it is he he wanted them to know that he said it and then he walked out you know i know he was having some back issues um uh prior to that so always there's always an injury that 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 keeps coming back or 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 keeps um delaying you on on wanting to get better on wanting to get better but for him for him it was it was the right time he he stepped out i'll tell you he did surprise me when he when he said he was going to be part of ufc um i i really didn't see that coming and uh i'm glad that that he stepped out at the right time and and i'm just like everybody else i'm waiting for him to to pop out on ufc i've been i've been a ufc fanatic you know for a while now oh, so really? okay i am too yeah yeah i can't i can't wait for him to pop up how do you think he'll do? It looks like he might have his uh, his opponent uh, picked out already, this guy, Mickey Gall. Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess it's just a guess. It's speculation. Nobody's seen him fight, so you can't know. But what do you know? Anything that you could take away from his mind, his determination, that gives you some indication about how he'll do? His determination is on point. That's, that's without a doubt. Um, I know when, when he focuses on things, you know uh, – he, he accomplishes. So uh, I'm, I'm sure his, his training camp has been has been really hard. So he he uh, um, he dedicated himself right now. He's putting all the time and all the work to uh, to make that one performance, his first one, uh, a one of a kind. And that that can either uh, create uh, a new CM Punk within the UFC. And, uh, you know, all those people that have been waiting for him to, to, to see him perform are not going to be let down. You yeah. know, we're all going to, we're all going to enjoy it, yeah. including yeah. myself. Absolutely. So he, but he, he's a very committed guy, you know, and, and, uh, I, I like his attitude. He's very, uh, very focused. Yeah. He, uh, did not leave WWE on good terms to say the least. Uh, how about you? I mean, do you feel that that door is open um, for someday, you know, whether it's a Hall of Fame induction uh, or, you know, another run? Is that something that you're you're interested in, specifically the Hall of Fame? I mean, it, certainly you'd be a good fit. You'd, I think you'd be a shoe-in. Um, do you look forward to that day where you where you come back for that? It, it definitely it would be awesome to be, to be recognized as a Hall of Famer. Um, I think there's still a couple more years for that left. Um, I definitely uh, didn't walk out there with with the doors uh, shut. At least I'm hoping that's how that's how they made it feel. You know, I don't I don't think there's any any beef or animosity between both parties. I think uh, it was it was time for me to to leave. And uh, sometimes it's it's hard um, for for someone to to say goodbye because I'm, it's time to move on. And, and uh, you know, whether it's you miss uh, the income or you're going to miss uh, the camaraderie or, or uh, whatever the case might be, uh, you know, you're, you're detaching from, from a place that you've been around for almost 14 years. Yeah. So it, it was hard for me to, to say goodbye, but, but at the same time, you know, it was a decision that, that I made along with my wife and my family. This is we're we're one we're one big united family. So 
uh, I think my kids and my wife have seen how much I've suffered throughout the years, and it was it was time for a change, you know, uh, um, and and that's that's what happened. So um, I'm, I'm physically right now, mentally, I'm, I'm like you, like you said before, I'm rejuvenated. So I'm at a good phase of my life right now. Um, you know, if if uh, if something were happen uh, were happen by tomorrow, I, I would. I would be great. I would I would be in peace. 